0: What's really going on, everybody, back again? uh, The What's Really Going On podcast, episode number 87. Before we get into our very frequent and special guests, please be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WRGOPod. Be sure to watch us on YouTube, where you can watch all of our videos in full and see our lovely faces. Be sure just to subscribe, like, listen, share on all of our audio uh, platforms. That include Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Apple podcast we are once again for the third time joined by the lovely maya king uh who has decided to come on and talk to us she last talked to us uh after uh, the 2020 election and joined henry and i at Sankofa for our first uh live show henry when was that that was in 2018 was yeah. way, <laughs> way back in the day back in, back
1: yeah in way back before i even it. joined honestly yeah. or at least joined on the podcast
2: Mm-hmm.
3: that feels like so long ago
2: yeah. wow the friend of the show man
0: yeah. <laughs> yes. that, was, that was back when henry and i were recording on
2: iphones <laughs> <laughs> <A show. laughs>
0: no we were we were
1: virtual before it was trendy that's it yes okay.
2: very, very. let them know
0: mckin so maya first off before we get into our uh before our our questions uh for you how are you it's been a while since uh our listeners have heard from you
3: Yes, I'm so glad to be back. Thank you for having me, as always. I am doing well, uh, adjusting to a new move and um, a new coverage area covering the South and living in Atlanta. It's been lovely and busy and crazy, but rewarding um, nonetheless. And uh, yeah, excited to talk about all that with you guys. Yeah, I I love
2: you, but I got to keep the same energy. Go back home. We fool. We fool. I know, right?
3: (laughs) No, I got here and saw every one. I saw everyone who was down here already. I met like so many old friends coming out the woodwork who lived here and then seeing even more people coming in. And I'm starting to be like, Atlanta is full. It took me six weeks to find a place that was reasonably priced. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, no, I I join you in that. um, Or at least I sympathize with that with that feeling because Atlanta is full.
0: Yes, sir. Yeah, so I guess to begin uh, by for our listeners who don't know you are a Florida native. Um, So I guess what makes covering politics um, in the South so fascinating, I would say, especially when considering kind of the geographic and cultural changes that Henry just mentioned? um, What kind of makes covering the region exciting um, in politics right now?
3: Yeah, um, well, I think that the South is the forefront of some of the like, of the biggest and most exciting stories to tell in politics, of course, Georgia becoming the center of the political universe. Uh-oh, did I go out? That's my mama calling.
0: You're okay, you're
3: Jeez. still here. All right, okay, she'll she go to voicemail, but um, sorry about that. Okay. Um, I think Georgia in particular, like I said, is one of the most interesting political stories to tell right now, just because you have so many different dynamics at the forefront. I mean, today in Washington with the January 6th committee having yet another hearing, here in Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, is sort of at the forefront of that story. Former President Trump, you know, really pressured him to be at the one of the people who overturned the 2020 election in the state. And then you also have, um, you know, this big issue of abortion. Georgia has a heartbeat bill kind of held up in uh, federal court right now. Yeah. Guns is another huge issue. And and race, Stacey Abrams, if she does win in November, would be the first Black woman um, to win governorship in American history there's a lot that um, I can talk about I think for hours and why the south is so important but I think um, a lot of people who have said it even better than me have made this point that essentially what happens in the south I think has implications for what happens in the rest of the country and I I, I agree with them um, in saying that I, I I've observed it already in my coverage
2: um, you got like I want to rebuttal to so much but I'm gonna like try to ease it all in here Um, you spoke about how important Georgia's race is, especially like right now we have two black people running for Senate. Um, what's your outlook on this race being like, this is like historical. And then we have two black people on both sides. Um, I don't personally know Herschel outside of him being a football legend. So it was very interesting to see that he's kind of advanced this far, But nonetheless, what's your outlook here? Um, How do you feel about that? Yeah, well, most people don't know
3: Herschel outside of him being a a football star. That's part of what has made him so popular already. It's what helped him win the primary so easily. I believe he cleared the field by like 60 points um, in May. This race is interesting because as you point out, Henry, we have two black men on the ticket. So regardless of what happens, there will be a black man from Georgia representing uh, the state in in the most powerful chamber um, in the country in the world, really. Um, but they're two totally different candidates. I mean, could not be any more different. In Warnock, you have this um, this really this figure who is not only large in politics as a senator, but also in religion at the helm of Ebenezer Baptist Church. This was a position that. Martin Luther King Jr. and Sr. held. Also from Atlanta, sort of representing the, um, uh, I would say urban center of Georgia politics in a really big way, Um, Morehouse man, but also just again, this huge figure in democratic politics and in the black church. In Walker, you have someone who has never run for office before. Someone that, I mean, outside of the University of Georgia, he was, you know, he's a huge Georgia figure Though he was um, living in Texas for a long time before before running for office here, um, and is just very synonymous with sports, not so much politics. And as we've as we've learned very recently, has a lot of things to answer for. Lots of um, claims about his business that have been overblown. Um, you know, making points about uh, more 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 recently that he was a member of law enforcement when he really was not. Of course, there are the allegations um, of domestic violence that he has addressed, and um, but but nonetheless, you know, continue to come up. And you know, today and, and on Tuesday, the news that he has uh, met a couple of children that he did not talk about before, despite you also being, wrote about.
0: yeah,
3: I did, yeah. <laughs> despite and it's you know, i I'm gonna clear this. I want to say this because I think it's important. The story here is less about the fact that this man has a lot of children that he hasn't talked about, though he is a public figure and and voters can make their decision. But I think the bigger thing to remember is that this is someone who has talked a lot about um, how in the Black community, in his view, fathers are often absent or that they're not involved enough in their children's lives or that they don't do enough for their kids. They leave the responsibilities of taking care of the children to the women, to their mothers. He has railed against that repeatedly on conservative media. The reason why this, exactly, (laughs) exactly. So, you know, before before Tuesday, the world only knew Walker to be a very involved father of one child. Today, we know that he has three other children, that he kind of sees some of them, one of them, two of them maybe, is not super involved in some of their lives, as we know now. As we have, as with the information that we know now, that's what we're, what we understand, um, and and unclear of the level of financial or or emotional support there either. So, a little bit of hypocrisy there. So, so yeah, all that to say,
2: huh?
3: Do you? That's a
2: question on the right side. Then
3: you said what? I'm sorry, you just went out.
2: Wait, can you you hear me?
3: I can
2: hear you now yeah Okay. I was just like kind of jokingly saying it sounds like he's on the right side with his hypocrisy
3: oh well again I'll right. let the voters decide that one
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh on that race in particular Mara, my question is do you think um you know I think obviously there's kind of a lot of buzz about you know possible down democratic turnout in 2020 do you think kind of walkers you know, star level within the state and kind of people not really knowing that kind of other side or kind of the, you know, the non kind of front facing stuff. Do you think that can kind of carry him to the seat or like kind of, you know, people can kind of be asleep at the wheel and all of a sudden people wake up in Georgia and Herschel Walker's their senator. Do you think that's like a possibility or?
3: You know, Georgia voters are some of the most plugged in and like politically aware in the country right now Mm. especially after what happened in 2020 and that's true of democrats and republicans um you know there is definitely some uh voter fatigue i think especially among democrats democrats really have to worry about turning out Mm. but republican Mm. voters they know who herschel walker is and they love him regardless of what he does especially Um, you know apps oh uh, oh (laughs) perhaps only in Georgia. I grew up on the Florida, Georgia line and Mm -hmm. uh, in in Tallahassee. And I mean, that's Florida state. So there's that, but people, I mean, I knew who Herschel Walker was growing up, but it wasn't until I moved to Atlanta that I really understood. I mean, he's like, it's kind of like, there's like, there's God, there's family, there's Herschel. And then there's like football, you know, there's Herschel and then there's football.
2: He was like my in my head. He's to UGA what Mike Vick was to the Falcons before all of that went astray. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I don't really follow football, so I'm (laughs) I'm gonna trust that 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 means something, Henry. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, But but I will say I will ask like since we're talking about Georgia voters and like Georgia I guess candidates and stuff like that. When it comes to Stacey Abrams, it seems like her campaign is doing things a little differently this year or this go around. Do you think that's because there's a changing narrative in the Democratic Party or is that because Georgia Kemp might be favoriting favoriting more than her? Like, do you have any thoughts on that?
3: kind of want to turn the question back around on you and see what you've observed that you feel is different from 2018 to this year. i'll
2: answer that gladly and truly an them, Look, go ahead. every time i meet with them every time i meet with them i'll be like if stacy don't win she better not come crying i'm not um whatever y'all know the word. my emotions getting hot because One, I stand in Cobb County. That's one of the wealthier counties in this metropolitan area, right? So when you think about that, I see no posters, no commercials, no nothing. When she ran in 2018, was that 2020, something like that? I was in DC. Mind you, I heard about her on social media. I heard about her. She made a national presence. Like we knew Stacey Abrams was running for a governor. mm-hmm. yeah. a governorship. This time, I have not seen her. I might see an Instagram post because I just so happen to follow her. But other than that, no, where's Stacey Abrams? And it's basically- yeah, I
1: definitely agree. I feel like, yeah. yeah, I feel like her presence was more known outside of the state of Georgia. And I just assumed that it was just stronger in Georgia this go around, just like focusing on the actual voters. But I don't know. Like, I don't I don't feel like I see the ads as much compared to her last um, her first run. So I don't know. But. I mean, I guess like, do you think that people are still going to vote? Because I mean, I guess like, are people still talking about it or like what is it like?
2: Before yeah, my- I'm sorry. That I think that for me, that's why I'm so like passionate about it, or like, uh, because in my head, I'm thinking she's still. She's operating off the basis that she has this bandwidth of people who are ready to go to the bat for her and ready. But I, Maya, you just said it: we're fatigued, we're tired, we're tired of voting and not getting results. We're tired of voting and not seeing any type of, you know, what I'm saying change. So you
1: and think that she should fall back then? No, what I'm oh. saying
2: is, I think she's operating off this big momentum that she's gained previously. And she feels like she still has that like same momentum and she can kind of just, oh, put my name on the ballot. I'm here. So you no, think girl? she's comfortable? You think she's
1: yes. comfortable? Yes, yes.
2: I very much think that. Now, Maya, tell me the real, because I'm emotional now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're asking how voters feel, I think, Henry, you've just captured it. You're a Georgia voter. And you're, you're a member right. of, a really, of a really, I mean, you, you don't, <laughs> let, me, let me not gas you too much, but. Um, Uh, I can say from a strategy standpoint, I mean, I think the Abrams campaign has largely relied on the 2018 playbook, which is, you know, try to gin up support in Metro Atlanta and lean into um, turning out, you know, rural voters in places that uh, Democrats have have not often thought to go to to get support in these, um, you know, maybe 50, 60% white counties that are 40, 50% black. Um, that really are going to make the difference in November. But um, as Henry has very passionately pointed out, voters need a reason to turn out. And I think that really the last, the last year um, has been really hard. And especially on the voters that Stacey Abrams needs, right? Like young voters, Black voters, uh, Black women. Um, these are all groups that have really been hard hit by the pandemic groups that will be hard hit by by policy with the um, potential of Roe v. Wade being overturned soon, student loan debt isn't really going anywhere. Um, You know, the economy being what it is, prices are still high. These are like not even issues that a governor alone can fix. But Republicans in their messaging have repeatedly railed against Democrats by, by saying this is their fault. And I won't even put this all on Republicans, actually, because The truth is, and I think this is what's resonating with a lot of voters, especially in a place like Georgia where people really fancy themselves, and I I think it's true as sort of um, uh, very unique um, or just like far enough away from Washington that they don't really have to think about that stuff, is, you know, Democrats currently have control of the White House, of the House of Representatives and of the Senate, and all these issues are still compounding and still like directly impacting them. So there I think is this feeling, I think that goes into this idea of voter fatigue, again, among these key groups, black voters, young voters, swing voters, that Democrats didn't really think, uh, didn't really do what they said they were gonna do. And whether or not that impacts Abrams, I don't know. I think the same is true of Warnock. They are, those two are running kind of different campaigns. But again, if Abrams is focused on, let's do all we can in Atlanta and get the people that we need to get uh, in, in rural Georgia, you know, it, it might mean that she has to kind of revamp her messaging. And, I'll, and my last point is that I think her campaign has been, the message has been very, very policy focused. Like Stacey is talking about Medicaid expansion all the time. Talking, She just unrolled her new plan um, for gun safety that she believes can get Republican support this morning. Um, last week, it was uh, proposing um, $50,000 floor mm-hmm. for teachers yeah. in Georgia. Like, She is running a campaign that's like, this is what I'm going to do if I'm in office. These are the policies. These are the tangible things that you can get. She's not really doing the like, rah, rah, I'm Stacey. I think because she knows people know who she is this time around. So now it's about, here's exactly what I plan to do when I get into office. Um, I don't know how that works with voters. Can you
1: like break us, like just shortly, like what is her policy on the gun? What was, what is that? What was her rollout on that?
3: yeah it came out this morning um, and honestly, I need to read it a little bit more closely this morning. I was focused largely on on Herschel and his new children but um, <laughs> as i as I understand it um, essentially the 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 loose framework of it is kind of breaking down some of that red tape um, that exists around guns, particularly as it relates to like age limits um, the The boyfriend loophole is a really big thing, essentially a rule that. Um, if somebody has a history of domestic violence or or is perceived to be a threat against another, pe- another person, extensive enough background check that might get in the way of their, their ability to, mm-hmm. to purchase a gun. I mean, she's proposing things that she believes Republicans will get on board with, um, whether or not that happens, though, I don't know, Republicans I mean, really. Yeah,
0: my yeah. my question to you, Maya, do you think that that kind of, a because, you know, I think. Like Mackenzie, Mackenzie and I don't live in, in Georgia, but we knew about Abrams because her campaign had kind of a very, a passion and kind of a youthfulness to it. Do you think kind Mm -hmm. of her, and, you know, she barely lost. And I think, you know, if she wasn't running against the secretary of state, there could have been a different outcome, depending. Do -hmm. you think that um, this kind of, you know, policy kind of, you know, middle of the ground focus is kind of almost, do do you think if the campaign was being honest? Do you think that that kind of approach is almost punting that like, hey, Dem enthusiasm is low? Because as someone who works in politics, that's what I hear is that they're mm. kind of banking on like the enthusiasm that we that that took us almost to the finish line in 2018 might not be there. So we need to find somewhere else to get it from. That's how I read and that, I, but I'm curious on your on Yeah, your I growth. think
3: I think that's a smart read. Um and I don't know, but I don't know if that's how the campaign would would view it, though I yeah. I I, I'm, a re- I'm a reporter, I get spin all day because campaigns course, are always scared that, that someone will come up, you know, we'll, we'll hear this and then write a story that's like kind of negative. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, there's got to be some kind of an acknowledgement at this point, right, among any smart campaign that Democrats are fatigued and that they um, that they're either. I mean, I think that really the way it goes right now with the electorate in Georgia is you either have like fired up Democrats who are always going to vote no matter what, same with Republicans. Democrats who are really frustrated and might vote for Republicans this year and Democrats who are really frustrated and might not vote at all or vote third party or not just not support uh, the party Mm -hmm. that they're registered with. And I I mean, with Abrams approach to policy, it's like, well, let me I think I think that's right. Noah, like propose the things that are going to get people's attention that are in the news the most and that I can try to. to say that I'm going uh, to do just to get the votes. Like, I think that's just the way that they mm-hmm. are, are looking at it at like a very basic level. Is like, okay, guns are a really big issue right now with these shootings. Here's my policy proposal to make Georgia safer. On the flip side of that though, I mean, Brian Kemp, like in Georgia right now, there is a constitutional carry law in place, which means anybody can, can buy and, and carry a gun essentially, even if you don't have a permit. Um, in the name of self-defense that hasn't shootings
2: blown up a shooting <laughs> going on in the city
3: well and and I think and Brian Kemp has said even in campaign events, yeah, you see Atlanta up there that really unsafe city yeah all those bad guys have guns so you yourself a good guy you go get one so you can defend yourself. That is the calculus and like I said I you it. know. Magic. It could, it could set up for something really tragic, or it could be like, okay, we all have guns now, this is how we defend ourselves. It's the, it's the wild west in Atlanta.
2: I, that's, Atlanta that's what but it's sounding like, the wild, wild west of Atlanta, yeah. like, the yeah. logic. Well, that's, why Abr- that's why
3: Abrams has come out with, with this gun framework that I need to read more closely to understand, because I mean, in her view, and I think in the eyes of a number of people, including gun owners, like people, like you, people who have owned guns for a long time will tell you, like this is nothing to play with. It's nothing to yeah. just go out and yeah. get. Yeah, like you know, people who are pro Second Amendment, but ne- not necessarily pro mass shooting. Um, will will tell okay. you, like, there's a middle ground to be had here, and polling bears that out. Even national polling in Texas, even polling has shown that there are there are, the, the the vast majority of gun owners are not really in favor of like. Automatic weapons and open carry, and uh, one's ability—if they have a history of domestic violence or mental illness—being able to to purchase guns, or or it's a seventeen or eighteen-year-old being able to purchase guns. There's also the age limit uh, question, and all this is happening in Georgia as DC uh, senators try to hammer out some kind of a gun framework, and the question swirling around that being whether or not it actually, you know, does anything in the end to stop these mass shootings from happening.
0: Yeah, putting, uh, um, no, go ahead, Mackenzie.
3: Yeah, I guess I
1: just brought it up because I wanted to know because honestly like, I mean, I'm not in Georgia and I know like, I don't know how much teachers make and I'm sure it's really low, but I just also feel like is her strategy with the fifty thousand dollars like is the bar really that low like that's
2: really not i can answer that question the average household well, i mean salary... i can not
1: answer the question that's too. What I'm I understand you. The average understand, household like...
2: salary in georgia is fifty five thousand dollars minimum wage is still seven twenty
1: five i mean i understand that i'm just saying that like the strategy of still saying like Yeah, that's a win. I still feel like, I don't know, I feel like Democrats are still playing it very safe. And that's also, I feel like personally, that kind of plays into voter fatigue because it's kind of like, we're going to like, like during the pandemic, people don't stand in line for like, to might get something that's still, still then rent is still going up. You still get the paycheck and you're still going to come up short. It's just like, still, I feel like, yes, that is great. I understand that minimum wage is low, but it's still like overall, I just hope that if she is playing that and if she does get into office, it's still a push like that, they should still be making more. And it's not just like, that's the ceiling for teachers. Cause I still feel like that's still low, like in general.
3: Well, and you also have to think about like the demographics of like even this conversation, right? We're mm-hmm. all black college educated, um, making above minimum wage. I, I <laughs> am assuming um, under the age of 30. Like these are the voters that Democrats absolutely need to turn out. Mm. And, <laughs> and we're we're sitting here talking about the, the issues at hand and what would get us to turn out or not. Um and we're thinking about things way differently uh than, than the folks who who make laws who are predominantly white and like over the age of 70 and have been have been doing their jobs for you know since our parents long, were our we, age. long as we've been born. Yeah, or or much longer. Um, And I think there's that generational disconnect that also does not get talked about enough, um, Mm -hmm. which plays into a class disconnect as well, which is way bigger than the race disconnect that kind of dominates uh, political conversation right now.
0: Yeah, and I think kind of pivoting to a larger scale, I think that kind of what Mackenzie and what you just talked about, Maya, is kind of, um, you know, How do you kind of see, you know, the South as it pertains to kind of 2022 and beyond? Because I think, you know, as someone who kind of works in Democratic politics ish adjacent, I think you always kind of hear the, you know, oh, eventually the South is going to turn in Democrats favor and then the math is going to switch. But I think what you're talking about is, you know, I can sense some skepticism in that there's a lot more stuff that needs to be done on a cultural level, but also on a policy level. I mean kind of how do you because I see it very much as so as like you know people can talk about how Florida people talk about how Florida was going to you know turn blue for the longest until you know um, Andrew Gillum actually got crushed in the election and forgot yeah. and now it's kind yeah. of like Florida's not even really a talking point
3: anymore well he ain't getting crushed don't do my yeah, own I,
0: <laughs> I mean I mean but think about it the the, the narrative oh, yeah, going into that was, Tallahassee. was
3: okay
1: I forgot mm-hmm.
0: but think about it Remember in 2018 the narrative was that he was going to win and that Bill Nelson yeah. was going to win and in the end it yeah. didn't even go to a, really a recount and I, yeah. I for personally, I see very like interesting connections between how people kind of view Florida for that one little minute in Georgia, where I think right. kind of like, I, I'm wondering if 2020 will just kind of be the exception, not the rule. And I think mm. this election will, I, I'm curious of your kind of outlook as someone who, you know, now lives in, who's from Florida and has seen politics there, but also, you know, now lives in, in Georgia and writes about politics the well. South.
3: Well, you know, Noah, your question is the question, whether or not 2020 was a one-off or the beginning of a trend. And the answer is like, yes, right? Like, it's like, well, I don't know. Because, you think so? But, but no, I mean, the South is in play if you do the work, if you do the organizing to put it in play. Any state is in play if it has the infrastructure for the party to make it competitive. But the South is unique in that it has a disproportionate population of people who ostensibly would favor democratic policies. Overwhelmingly black, growing number of, uh, of Asian American and also Latino voters, growing number of younger college educated voters, still you a know, large number of white college educated and, and also lower income um, folks of all races. I mean, um, I think the class thing is like the, the income level is a little bit different because that really does depend on kind of like your race and a lot of other factors. But the first couple that I laid out, like this is, this should be a rich area for Democrats to take advantage of. But a couple of problems, including Republican held state houses that have managed to pass like very restrictive voting rights laws and make it harder for these people to turn out. Um, gerrymandering yeah. also makes it a lot more difficult for people of color to really have. It's the biggest thing, and it's huge in Georgia. It's huge in Alabama, Louisiana, Texas. I mean, at this you know point,
2: you know that line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that line.
3: The black, the black belt, and also yes, but also yes, the line definitely. Um, so like Florida is is one of those states that Democrats were able to win when they were highly organized, when they had the people out to be able to turn out voters and deliver a message that got Democratic voters excited or voters. In p- period, excited to vote for Democrats in Florida. You have a lot of like older white folks, um, especially you know from the north who have come down who bring their politics with them. Those are largely conservatives. But you also have a lot of like black folks in the panhandle um, where I come from. Those are largely Democratic voters. Do they always turn out? It depends on the age and a lot of other factors. And then you have a lot of different Latino populations. You have white Cubans, you also have brown Cubans, you have Venezuelans, you have Guatemalans, you have Mexicans, all these different people, uh, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, they all vote differently. All these blocks vote differently and have different uh, sensibilities about them. You can't place Latinos in one box in the way that we often like to place black voters in one box. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different, we're, but black voters are, I mean, we're not a monolith, but black voters vote more monolithically. So it's just, yeah. and that's just Florida, North Carolina, um you know was blue and has a has a democratic governor but uh I, I don't i don't know the margin that biden um biden lost north carolina in 2020 but like it's no longer really in play for democrats so they thought that they had north carolina when they had it and i think the closer that we get to november when i talk to to sources in georgia that is the question: Is is Georgia going to become like North Carolina, where Democrats had this really great moment, and then it's not anymore? But I still believe that Georgia is is unique among the Southern states because it has this infrastructure of organizers in place that is like no other. Um, you know, this is some this is a place where Stacey Abrams really did shine. She founded the New Georgia Project, and she also has Fair Fight. Um, these are two organizations that are super super well funded. And in the case of the New Georgia Project had been in place for almost a decade, kind of building up to this, to the moment that we saw in 2020, Black Voters Matter with Latasha Brown, um, uh, Asian Americans Advancing Justice, like there's there's like a dozen organizations that have been in place since like pre-Obama almost that have been doing this work forever. And so when 2020 came, they kind of coordinated, but they also all just like really leaned into their strengths and. Wasn't a, it wasn't even a wave even then, right? Like Biden won by fewer than 12,000 votes. That was yeah. all that work they had to put in for that to happen. But that's like also, you know, that's the beauty of democracy in, in many ways. Not to make light of that, but like that's what happens when you do the work and when you turn people out. And in Trump and in COVID, um, I think those two big things gave voters a reason to, to, to feel like they really had to line up and turn out. Um, they don't really have that same like I'm voting against this attitude, and then Democrats have not really given them something strong to vote for. That Obama 08 and '12 energy yeah. that we saw was outshined by anti-Trump energy in 2020. Yeah. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not materializing in one direction
2: or the other. But Republicans is not giving what it's supposed to give.
3: Is not given what it was <laughs> supposed to have gave, but for Republicans, it's, ho- it's like, you know, it's something to get mad at, especially for the Republicans yep. who were like, ah, Trump makes me really uncomfortable and voted for Biden, you know, in 2020, and now have really latched on to the party message of this hasn't, he hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. And also he's like, really old and doesn't seem to like um, I want to be sensitive about this. I'm not trying to say that they think he's senile. I think they think that he that they that they just want something new and that he's like kind of slow moving on mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff that they wanted well, to ha- see happen. Um, well,
0: Maya, before I kick it to someone else for questions, that's also what we say. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> but that's also but that's also why I brought up Stacey
1: Abrams though because I'm yeah. just like I feel like there's just also, I feel like I'm seeing a pattern in democratic leaders. is just like playing it too safe. And then once you get there, you're playing it even safer. So it's kind of like, for me, that would be p- pulling out voter fatigue. Cause it's just like, you're already playing it safe. And there's really no hope that you're and there. I have no hope because you don't push it further when you get into office. So, so like that promise that they might have like, Oh, just vote for me in. And then when I get there, I'll do more. But it's like, we've seen in the past that you guys don't do more so I'm kind of over it at this
2: point yeah well I guess this would be a good way to transition since you softly mentioned Trump because the national conversation right now is like folks don't like the special committee investigation um, into the January 6th like right on the Capitol How do you think like that story is being perceived in the staff, especially given Trump's like influence um, here, here meaning Georgia and the people he's like kind of forced to run or, you know, supported or whatever. Um, How do you feel about that?
3: Yeah, I was just in South Carolina for the last week uh, covering a congressional race there and uh, was assigned a story to talk to more people about how they felt about this after the first night and the takeaway that i get and and it's my colleagues have written about it since then is that this hasn't really so i think that the the idea here was to lay out what the committee found and really like the 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 findings of this of, of the january 6th committee are pretty compelling regardless of what side you're on on this but i think what it what they also meant to do was sort of change minds um among those folks who might have said i don't you know i don't know what happened that day really like i don't i don't who might who might have wanted to see it for Trump Um, Mm -hmm. just try to try to push a pro lowercase d democracy message but I think ultimately what it did was just push people further into their silos like for democratic voters um, and folks who saw what happened on January 6th and were really disturbed by that and felt like the president was in the wrong and felt like that was an attack on like democratic establishments Establishments. and put people's lives in danger. All of that was just bared out even more for them. Like watching this has only further proved that point. And for the folks who um, believe that the, the riots on the Capitol were overblown, that Democrats are seeking to sensationalize this whole thing, that, Folks, you know, were angry and have the right to protest. Like all of that also seems pretty true to them
2: yeah. watching
3: the attack. But as a journalist, I'm always going to be biased towards democracy. And I don't think I put myself in trouble by saying that, like to be very clear-eyed about what happened that day as an attack in Iraq on um or a, a real like uh something that really did put democracy in danger. It's it's you know, that I mean it is democrats that are obviously like making that message the clearest they have the overwhelming majority on the january 6th committee but i mean that is what happened um it's just unfortunate that the way that it's been presented and the way that things have gone down um the way that even the former president has has characterized the whole committee and and the day has made yeah. a lot of people feel like that's not the case i wonder yeah. though do people
1: are people still even paying attention to this like i just feel like so many other things like the general public i mean like are people still having an opinion on this are people still wanting them to be held accountable like is there still like that charge for them to be held accountable i know i want to be i want them to be held accountable but i have not been paying attention to like the the press briefings or anything of that honestly and i'm just curious to like what the general public thought is on holding yeah. these people accountable still. So.
3: I think it depends on the definition of accountability. Like, you know, some of the folks who were at Who Stormed the Capitol are in D.C. jail right now. Mm-hmm. And you have, but then that even has been politicized and, and mischaracterized through um, some some bad faith actors who have said that these are political prisoners and people who are being held in these terrible, awful conditions in the D.C. jail that they somehow did not pay attention to before, I mean, it is true the conditions in jail are terrible, but we should care about that regardless of who's in there. <laughs> um, and and I and I mean, I think that voters um, or just folks who are watching this, you know, might not necessarily understand what what could take place from here. Whether this really sets up uh, an opportunity for it for Trump to be like, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, to face, <laughs> thank you. To face the consequences in any in any meaningful way after this, uh, which is probably not going to happen. Um, I think that makes it all the more yeah. confusing and pushes people <laughs> further into their
0: to their corners. But before um, I kick it to Mackenzie for the last question, I have like a personal question. I'm sure Mackenzie and Henry will be interested in. Um, of course, Biden is not you know in the Oval Office himself. He also has a vice president named. Kamala Harris um <laughs> who has kind of who's played to me a very fascinating role um you know since the administration began I think some parts of it you know kind of questioning her work have been a little bit unfair and sometimes she's kind of focus on foreign policy but um where do you kind of see her role in the administration and kind of her career looking forward because I would say that you know my betting, if I was a betting person, I would say that Biden is one term, and I think that that makes mm-hmm. her kind of political future very interesting and very uncertain. Um, but I'm curious yeah. on kind of your outlook on it.
3: I mean, I think I think that um, I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Y'all
2: heard okay. what said? They said I want to say a black woman because she only mind her business, not nobody else's.
3: Hello and I don't um but I'll say this the it's okay is a is a couple of things but mm-hmm. first a lot of people have been like very disappointed in the vice president saying that she hasn't done a lot but i want us to remember that the office of the vice president literally is just to be there if the president dies, dies. like <laughs> yeah. like that's really, like, what it, I mean, you obviously have a portfolio, which she does have, and we can talk about that, Mm because she got, she got, like, all the most unpopular policies, too, in that portfolio, Mm -hmm. right? Voting rights, immigration, um,
0: a lot of foreign affairs uh, stuff, which is, like, a lot of stuff that's, like,
3: yeah, yeah, that's, like, she doesn't, this Mm -hmm. is a, like, she's an attorney, (laughs) um, anyway, and the vice president, like, in the past has, has, like, never really, been like the super forward facing does a lot kind of figure um harris is a former senator so she understands how a lot of this stuff works in the upper levers of power but like this is our first time like kind of on this level of things um but and there are a number of different scenarios biden and those and those who um his his spokespeople have repeatedly said that he will run for a second term mm-hmm. that is no that is no question but there are also folks, as my colleagues have reported, who look at that and are a little scared because they're like he'll be um
1: knocking like
0: on like eighty yeah, two. Oh Carmen- he's
1: literally <laughs> my grandmother's age, which I love <laughs> my grandma. I love my grandma, but I don't but know. You don't, my but you don't but you be, you
0: don't want her keeping a schedule that tight. Yeah. yeah. You don't want, gra-
3: uh, you don't want you grandma running the country. So why my thing is do,
2: do? The, do the Democrats care about who's in office because I'm not voting for <laughs> Biden a second time. I'm gonna tell you that now. I'm not.
0: Well I, well, I would say that's that's probably indicative of a problem that they're not either seeing or know how to adjust to. I and I think that there's, yeah. I do
3: think that they see it. I really want to, I do think that they see it, but it is so delicate because as we pointed out, you know, Democrats can be like um, cautious to a fault about stuff. And what's going to have to happen if they decide that Biden is not going to be their standard bearer in 2024, is they're going to have to rip the bandaid off and figure out Who is going to be that person? As vice president, Kamala Harris would likely have first dibs at that. But I think we can also look at 2016, um, when Joe Biden wanted
0: to run. It'd be open season.
3: It'd be open season. Yeah. And it it will be. It will be, you know, like, names like Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, Mm. Bernie Sanders, even, who has not ruled it out. Um, Mackenzie
2: Marshall. I'm about to say, like, I feel like (laughs) in 20 at this point. It was I too want many, many options okay. in uh, what was it? 20, whatever. It was too many, options to like, yeah. it was too many options in my opinion. I do like the fact that there was a large, diverse <clears throat> air quotes now group. However, listen, people are indecisive, they don't know what they want. They need somebody that they can trust, they can lean on, that they know will lead. Biden, not that person. We not messing with Kamala, but she might be a saving grace because like you said, like when you put it in the perspective that you just said, like, well, she's the vice president. If you look at history, vice presidents really don't be out there doing a lot like out there like that. So when I was listening, I'm like, dang, like, OK, <gasps> but still, like, she had a hard time getting <laughs> to get into where she. No,
1: was. I feel like what yeah. you're doing, though, is putting a yeah. lot of expectations on the girl when she was like, if if that's the role to like fall back, then nobody else was doing well, that
2: that's before what I'm her. Saying. That's what I'm saying. Is hearing it from that perspective, I can now kind of like, okay, dang, maybe I'm being a little too hard on Kamala. Yeah, but like, it's like a,
3: there, there are people who might agree than. with you, and I was just I was just gonna say too, um, it's gonna depend on who's running in 2024. If Trump runs again. Like a couple questions, I have. Like, look at look at your face, Henry. You look stressed at the thought. Well, I think mean, <laughs> I do mean, not have time. <laughs> crazy, <laughs> that would be insane. See, but, do, but, do I mean, but he how, is. I, I, he but is, to,
0: unless he dies. I was going to say, like, he like, is, unless let's, he dies.
3: Let's, <laughs> let's, right.
2: Like, I'm tired of simulation. Give me the red pill. <laughs> he is the front runner.
0: He is <laughs> the front runner. That's like, that is a given. I think he So, if
3: he runs again, now we have a situation where Democrats, a lot of Democrats might be like, oh, because I'm, like, so frustrated with this party, and they're not doing a lot for me, and they haven't. But at the same time, like, there's this guy that I hate, who I've already, run- who I've already tried to vote out once, who's running again. Now i got to go back up to the precinct and try to do that again. That's a possible scenario, right? Where, like, Kamala gets in again as that. But, I mean, people voted for Biden, too, like, because they thought he was, like, this really safe, old white man who can beat Trump. And, it was a means and,
0: to an end.
2: You took, right. And so, whoever Meyer, I'm so whoever,
3: whoever is, is taking his place, like if it's Kamala, if it's Pete Buttigieg, again, if it's Davy Klobuchar, anybody, whoever is, or if it's Joe Biden, they're going to have to be able to make, have me look, just to stress that, Joe, I'm, I'm stressed <laughs> watching your face, man. Whoever it is, is going to have to be able to make that very clear argument, which Biden was successful at doing, but he had help because COVID was raging. Trump wasn't yep. doing anything about that um you know like there's a there, really it's crazy when you look back on 2020 yep. because the environment the conditions were just right Perfect. for democrats Perfect. to be able Perfect. to win and we i kind of hope bar- that's not the case did. in 2024 another pandemic like you know economic turmoil people sick and dying and like you know just needing a lifeline and looking for hope but in someone that can give us that like i would like to get back to the baseline of like okay, there are a lot of things that I don't like and a lot of things that are going not the way I want. Here's someone who offers the best decision. Like, I'm tired of voting to save my life. And um, I think a lot of people share that, especially, for, I, it's like my second election ever, <laughs> yeah. voting it like, over the age
0: annoyed. of
2: 2018. That's literally so, you
0: get annoyed. Yeah, and I think, um, before we wrap, I think it's interesting, because I think to your point, Maya, like that you kind of said uh, earlier that like there's an age problem. And I think that um, I think Democrats are probably going to meet the rubber of the road of like they just, you know, when stuff is going bad and if people who are our age all in their you know mid late 20s are all feeling a certain type of way, I don't think they have a good I don't think they have good messengers to talk to us and the messengers who they do have, they don't really amplify or give a good platform to. So I think it's just kind of like they're only compounding issues of like. People like us feel a very different way than the people in power, but they have no one to communicate to those people. Like they don't have anyone to communicate to me on issues. They don't especially I think which is gonna really be important. They don't have anyone to communicate to McKenzie on the very kind of like narrow things that black women face and kind of how Roe v. Wade messed up impacts McKenzie more so and you more so than anyone else. Or I'll say this real quick. A big problem.
3: I'll add just very quickly, they do, but they might not actually be communicating to the people that they think they're communicating to, or they hire someone (laughs) like, or they, or they, what they really need are like, you know, working low income, non-college educated black voters. And they hire hotshots like Mackenzie and I from DC and Atlanta to go in and communicate with them or but, I won't bring Mackenzie. I won't bring Mackenzie- No, but now, Maya, but you-
0: y'all, No, but
1: that's fair. That is fair, y'all, fair y'all, y'all
0: Like, we're not- Mackenzie would turn it around. You tripping. Or like,
3: you right. know, I mean, Mackenzie, Mackenzie, you, you yeah, might be yeah. able yeah. to speak to this. Like, you might be yes. able to say, okay, look, this is where I come from. And I know yeah. that I, I look crazy coming and talking to you, but I'm trying to keep it real with you. Or, you but know, I, I might be able to do the same yeah. thing, but, but that takes so much work. Like, I don't even know if I'm capable. I mean, I come in, I come in as this, this big national reporter sometimes and talk <laughs> to people and they're like, okay, you might look like me, but are you really going to do my story justice? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That's yeah. a good question. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and I think have that's part
2: of so it. Many nails today yeah, for that's me. Because real. I think that like when I kept doing this, I just wanted to like, is that where we are in like American politics and just America, like the young five and the old, the conservatorship of this old america who this is how we operated with this two-party system blah 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 versus this like new innovative free-thinking generation of people who definitely want to hold you accountable don't necessarily know the correct structure of holding someone accountable then we have all these like entitlements and justifiable rights that we feel like we deserve but nobody's speaking directly toward that and like you guys just said when they do directly try to speak to us, it's the wrong person because I mean, yeah, I'm from Atlanta and I grew up in a certain environment, but I don't even relate to them people like that for real. And I'm not like <laughs> trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not, I'm really not, I'm serious.
3: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. go ahead. No, 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 I'm it. like. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> definitely
1: how you said it. <laughs> it really was, anyway.
2: I'm being for real though, like, it's just like, it, it don't click, like, I was telling the kids yesterday, I'm about to run for, keep playing, but I feel like it's just so, it's so much chaos in every time the black vote or the, it's like you said, like we feel like we're dying for our lives. So this is why I'm voting. It's a big, overwhelming, circumstantial reason as to why I'm voting, not because I genuinely like am interested or invested in this, because like I just said, I'm not voting for Biden again. I won't vote in 2024 if he's the front runner for Democratic Party. And I'm going to stand on that because, bro, my student loans still here. Inflation not getting no better. This fake oil crisis y'all got going on. Like, what is you doing, playboy?
1: And then you just, well, I don't want to say something controversial. I really don't.
2: Do it. Respectfully,
1: like, I just, the, the, the $1 billion to the Ukraine that they're, like, that's, that's insane i'm sorry like there's just a lot of problems on the home front that i feel like are not being addressed if we have really one billion dollars to just wire send us another country that's crazy to me that's insane (laughs) but actually before we go though Maya, is there any projects or anything that you're working on that you want to share or shout
3: out or anything cool Hmm. Nothing really at the moment. I'm just, I'm just working, trying to get these stories in the paper. That's what I'm doing more than anything else. Um, But, you know, if anybody has any scoops, anybody know of any, uh, any places in Georgia to go to get, to get some news where maybe I haven't looked before, um, you know, if you're a, if you're a black voter, you've been contacted by the GOP, let me know um that's what i'm gonna do is just put a plug out to to,
2: to give me some news keep me working <laughs> keep me in business well awesome. maya we yep. definitely enjoyed you we talked about it a lot that's why i love having yeah, you we can, like it's like we cover a lot of ground. our people you know you get what we talking about you know oh thank
3: you henry let's get lunch soon henry You we, you down the road for me
2: no we definitely got to we got to here it is. In so, so asterisks, they'll they'll never meet. <laughs> <laughs> the Howard asterisk.
3: way, they'll never meet.
1: <laughs> the Howard way. Let's
3: hang out, and we never do. No, I'm gonna text you. We'll we'll make
0: it happen. <laughs> so, dot dot dot. So, Miles, <laughs> thank you again for coming on. We really appreciate it for the third time, and we know for certain it will not be the last. So, if you are listening to this episode and liked, be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at wrgo be sure to check this video out on YouTube where you can watch our four lovely faces all in uh, in our entirety. Be sure to check out any and all of our audio platforms. That includes uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Henry's looking at me, and nodding because yes, I got them all. So thank you for watching. This is episode number...
1: Hey, go get my-